Jesus promised his disciples in Acts 1.8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Welcome to You Shall Receive Power, and here are your hosts, Etienne McClintock and Colin Hone. Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for tuning into the program again today. Colin and myself are delighted to have your company. And just before we start our study, we just invite you to bow your heads with us in a word of prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, we deem it a privilege again to come to your word as students. We want to learn from you, Father. We just pray for your Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth to guide and lead us in our study. And as such, Father, we just open our hearts again. We confess our sins. We acknowledge our need of you and also the leading of your Holy Spirit. Baptize us afresh, Father. Teach us and instruct us and lead us ultimately to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, dear listener, thank you for joining us today. And we are looking at a little book. You may not be aware of this, but a lot of the material we've been sharing with you over the last few programs has come out of this little book called Meager Apostasy in the Latest Seer by Pastor Dennis Smith. And that is a great little book. You can actually download the book, understand, Colin. Is it free as a PDF? You can download it for free on www.spiritbaptism.org, and you can download that book for free off the website there. Okay, fantastic. So this is a great little book with a lot of good material, and a lot of the text and the quotes we've been sharing has come out of this book. Now, we are heading towards the end of the book, and today the program is actually dealing with uh, the chapter called Laodicea and the Wise and Foolish Virgins, and that's page 61 of this little book. Yep, so we're going to talk about what is the connection between Revelation chapter 3, where it talks about the last day church being the Laodicean church, the Mm. lukewarm church. Yes, And we're also going to be talking about the connection with the parable in Matthew chapter 25 of the wise and foolish virgins. Right. You remember in in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus has just gone through and basically given a long prophetic history of what's going to happen at the end times. Mm. This is what it's going to be like in the end times. And more more signs that you're going to see in the world. Okay, you're going to see rumors of wars and pestilence and natural disasters and earthquakes and, That's and right. uh, you're going to see the wickedness of man growing. Uh, you've got all these things are going to be happening around the world, religious signs, mm. all these different signs in the world. But then he says in Matthew 25, he actually gives us what it'll be like in the church. And he gives okay. three parables. That's and one right. of those parables is in Matthew chapter 25 on the wise and foolish virgins. Mm. And we're going to see that they're connected to the Laodicean church, the lukewarm church. Okay. Well, that'll be interesting to make that connection. There's two groups. So, you know, the book of Revelation describes the church as being in a Laodicean condition, lukewarm. Let's just read Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 to 16. Okay. It says, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. You know, a lot of times people have always looked at that text and says, oh, it's better to be, you know, hot is good because you're hot for Jesus. That's right. But cold's not good. You're cold for Jesus. Mm. Yet in the context, Laodicea, okay, was known for what? Lukewarmness. Yeah, it had, Laodicea was a town 
okay, but five miles away yes. was these – The hot springs. The hot springs, yes, which were therapeutic. Mm. See, hot is therapeutic. Okay. And behind there, there was a river that flowed behind it called Colea, which went down to uh, – what's that chapter in the Bible that led it to Colossians? Yes, Col- Col- yeah, Colossians. Yeah, the Colossians. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a river, and that was a pure cold river, mm. really fresh water. So cold was – Good. Good. Therapeutic as well. Hot. It's good. It's just like a drink. When you drink a drink, a hot drink tastes great. It does. A cold drink Especially tastes great. a cold winter's morning. A lukewarm drink, mm. you want to spew it out. Yes. And that's what Jesus is talking about. That's why I say, I wish you were hot or cold. I wish you were therapeutic. Mm. It tastes good. But he says you're lukewarm. Because typically in our mind, we would think hot, great. Yes. Lukewarm, not quite as good. And then cold, bad. No, yeah. But here the Lord tells us, I'd rather you cold or hot, but lukewarm is then worse than cold. But, and he said, well, why would I want you, I'd rather you be hot or cold? Yeah. He's saying, so he's saying, I'd rather you be bad. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It doesn't even yeah, make sense. Yes. Yeah. The, the hot and cold is in relation to the hot baths of Laodicea, mm. five miles away. And by the time the water got down to the city of Laodicea, right, five miles, just think in the hills, comes down. Gets lukewarm, and it's just not doesn't taste good anymore. It's not yeah. therapeutic. That's right. And so, and behind behind there was a river that the river that went to Colossia. There was a river river that was cold. Yes, it was okay. pure, really beautiful tasting, great water. Mm. So there's Col- a reason why the Holy Spirit impressed the mind of John the Revelator here to actually use these towns in the order that he did because yeah, well, if you look at the natural location and geography of these towns it makes a lot more sense doesn't yeah. it and who's speaking here it's actually Jesus speaking it's in well, red that it's is in true it's that in red true. writing here mm. this is Jesus words himself so what he's saying is is you look warm hmm. and 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 he says basically those who remain in this condition will have accepted i believe the omega apostasy which we've spoken about mm. in previous programs. Yes. And the sad truth is that those in Laodicea are unaware of their condition. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. Laodicea doesn't even know it's a true condition. They don't even know. Mm. They're unaware of their condition. However, anyone in Laodicea, must come out of that dreadful spiritual condition. We need to come out of this yes. Laodicea if we want to receive the latter reign of the Holy Spirit. And we've spoken before that God, before Jesus returns, is going to pour out the latter reign of the Holy Spirit, just as he poured out the early reign of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Mm. So a lukewarm condition is not actually ready or prepared to receive the latter reign it's, of the Holy Spirit. It won't. Mm. It won't receive it. Right. And so... We need to come out of that condition, and uh, if you know, out of spiritual, if we want to see the latter rain and be ready for Jesus' soon return, mm. and so that's what we're going to look at, and we want to find the connection to the foolish virgins found in Matthew chapter twenty-five. Okay, okay. So Jesus gives a parable describing the latter seen Christians in his parable of the ten virgins, I believe, and that's in Matthew chapter twenty-five, verses one to twelve. Let's read that. Okay. It says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. 
And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should be not enough for us and you, but rather go to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other Mm. virgins, these are the foolish ones, came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you do not know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So so the foolish virgins in the parable are not ready when the bridegroom comes, are they? Yeah, that's right. And they're told by Jesus, I don't know you. I know you not. Mm. And so these foolish virgins do not have the extra oil that the wise virgins had. Yes. This oil represented, is representative of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's yes, the Holy Spirit. Yes. And, um, you know, when you look at it, this parable, Jesus gives this parable exactly. He says, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins. So he's just talked about this is what's going to be like in the last days, and this is what it's going to be like in the last days in, in the church. Mm. Now, we know a woman in the Bible represents what? Church. The church. So it's talking about a church. They both, both uh, have their lamps. They took their lamps. So what's the lamps represent in the Bible? Well, a lamp. I just is told a, you the answer. Yeah. <laughs> it says, "Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path." Psalm 119 verses 105. So the lamp is the Bible. Yes, that's right. They've got, so they've got the word of God. Hmm. They're believers, and they go to meet out the bridegroom. They went out to meet the bridegroom. Who's the bridegroom? Bridegroom is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus. Yeah. Now it says there's five of them were wise and five foolish. Hmm. Okay, so there's two classes of watchers. They're both waiting for the second coming of Jesus. They're both, which you could say, Adventists. They believe in the second coming, the Advent. Yeah, so these of, are not non-Christians. These are Christian people who believe in the second coming, coming of, of Jesus, Jesus Christ. That's okay. right. So anybody that's a believer in the second coming of Christ can, can claim the title Adventist, which means looking forward to the second coming of Jesus, right. the Advent of Christ. So the lamps represent yes. the Word of God. The oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And so they both believe. Mm. And so what happens is those who are the foolish lamps and took no oil with them. But the wives took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Yes. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Did they all fall asleep? The whole lot, even the wise ones, which is fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. But then something happens. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Some sort of announcement comes out. Get Mm. ready. Jesus is coming. Something happens to wake them up. Wow. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. So where does that call come from? Does it come from the virgins? Behold, the bridegroom is coming. So it comes from somewhere existential or outside of the church. So this is God's people. Then someone comes out with this cry. Mm. And it says, then all the virgins, all all those virgins, arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish of the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. So they must have had some oil, but the oil was running out and the lamp was running out. So the Holy Spirit, they didn't have enough Holy Spirit Mm. by the sounds of it. So it sounds like there's some sort of crisis that comes with that announcement because Christ has not arrived yet, but the announcement is that he is coming. So some event, some announcement lets people know Jesus' return is imminent. He's about to come. There must be some crisis around it because all of a sudden they realize they need their lamps, but the lamps aren't burning, which in other words, the Holy Spirit's not working with the word of God like, like it has in the past for them. They have not been filled with that. 
And in that crisis now, they recognize their need. They're just saying, oh, you know, if something's happened now. We know, hey, Jesus yeah. really is coming. The crisis is here. So let's it's, assume you're the wise virgin, right? And okay. I'm the foolish one. You've got your oil. Yep. I'm noticed, oh, you've got some oil. I want what you have, but I don't have it. So, Colin, can you please give me some of what you have? Yep. Because my lamp is flickering here. It's about to die. But if I can share some of your oil, yes. then I'll be okay as well. Well, just think about the oil. What's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? It is to transform us into the image of Jesus. Which is Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, isn't it? That's right, yes. So the Holy Spirit transforms our character. Mm. So I'm trying to borrow your experience and you can't give it to me. I can't give you my character. <laughs> That's yes. something that Jesus has developed within me mm. over time. Remember in Second Corinthians 3, 18, it says we're transformed from glory to glory. Yeah. And God's glory represents his character. Yes. And so you can read that in Exodus where Moses says, show me your glory. And God, God comes down and says, I'll show you my glory and tells him about his character. Mm. Then he gives him his law. And his law That's is right. a transcript of his character. Mm. So and remember in Hebrews 8 and Hebrews chapter 10, it says God wants to write those laws on our mind and heart. He mm. wants to write the Father's name on our forehead. The seal of God is written on our what? On our forehead. Yes. It's God's character. And so I cannot give you a character that is developed over time by the transformational work of the Holy Spirit. Mm. I cannot give you that. No. You've got to go and get it yourself. And so I say to you, what do I say to you? Well, you, I've got to go and get it somewhere else. You tell me to go and buy it from those who sell oil. Yeah, and who's selling? Who, remember, who's doing the buying and selling? Do you notice in in uh, Revelation chapter 3, Jesus says what? Yeah, buy, buy from me. So what? he's saying you need to go to Jesus and That's get right. what? Buy what? Oil, oil. Yeah. But the thing is, Jesus is coming, and it says there in verse 10, and while they went to buy. So in other words, I take off. Yep. So I represent the foolish virgins. I take off to go and get more oil. So I've got to go and get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And I don't want to come back until I have more oil, but because you can't give me your experience, you can't give me your oil. Yep. And while I'm away looking for this oil, it says there that the bridegroom came. That's right. And I remember, missed the coming of the bridegroom. Yeah. That's right. You missed the second coming of Jesus. And it's mm. too late. And and yeah. they're lost. Unfortunately they're lost. This is believers who are lost who didn't didn't ask Jesus. Mm. And let's go to back to Revelation chapter three. Okay. All right. Because this this is connected. Because it says go and buy. You've got to go and buy this oil. Yes. And remember we looked in, in Revelation chapter three. Uh, Jesus says in verse eighteen, I counsel you to buy from me. Gold refined in fire. Mm. Now, what was the gold we talked about? Gold was faith working through love, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. And that was the purifying experience of character perfection to reflect the character and glory of Christ. And, and we're refined, aren't we? Mm. We're refined through trials and through different things that God allows that's, us to come to refine right. us to test our character so that we can go back. So we've got to get that from Jesus. Mm. And he also says, buy me that you may be rich. And he says, buy me white garments. What's that? The righteousness of Christ. That's right, which yeah. is a gift from God. But he's saying, but you notice there's the buy. You get it from yes. Jesus. Yeah. The only way you can get it. That means, and the shame of your nagus may not be real. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you might see. What's the eye salve? Okay, well, that's obviously the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which gives you spiritual discernment. So you can actually see spiritual things because they are only spiritually discerned. So that's what he's saying. You've got to go and but why they're, now they're going, okay, I need to take this seriously now. Mm-hmm. So they go out to get this character development, to get yes. the gold, the love. Of Jesus to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit for transforming their their uh, character mm. to get the righteousness of Christ, which is not only imputed, 
but is imparted. Imparted as well. Right? Yeah, because there's obviously a reception of all these gifts from Jesus, although it says purchase, you know, the gold refining the fire, the white raiment, and the eye self. All these are received. So that's the, uh, it's imputed, but this actually suggests more an imparting, doesn't it? You are receiving these things from Jesus. That's right. Mm. And so I love this quote, right? This is, um, this is from Ellen White, a, a lady who had, you know, over 2,000 visions over a lifetime. Yeah. Uh, amazing visions about the end time events. Mm. And uh, this is what she said in the Review and Herald, August 19 in 1890. This is what she says. She says, the name Foolish Virgins represents the character. So it's character, right? Okay. Represents the character of those who have not genuine heart work wrought by the Spirit of God. So it's the character. It's talking about the character here. Mm-hmm. The coming of Christ does not change the foolish virgins into wise ones. You see, when Jesus comes, you don't get changed. Your character doesn't get changed yeah. at the second coming of Jesus. Okay. Well, that makes sense in the analogy we played out before as well. Your experience came with time. You were purified yep. through trials and so forth. And that's just developed I, as long as you're on the journey, develop yeah. that character of your life because, you know, you might get killed. No, that's right. And that's the end, isn't it, of yeah, character yeah. development. But you've been on the journey. Hmm. Okay. So we're talking about people who actually are going to live in that time when Christ comes. So these are people who do not, you know, take the underground to get to heaven. What I mean by the underground is they don't die, get buried, and then get resurrected. These are people who will be trying will be alive. Alive, yeah, and remain and be caught up in the air to meet the Lord in the sky, as the Bible says. Yeah, and says the coming of Jesus does not change the foolish virgins into wise ones. Mm. So your character doesn't get, you know, you don't get a lobotomy at Jesus' second coming. Yes. Character development happens through the Holy Spirit. over. It's a work of a lifetime. Mm. But those who are alive have and, gone through this work. And that's the only thing we actually retain and take with us to heaven. Everything else will be left behind. That's right. We get a new mm. body. You read in First Corinthians chapter yeah. fifteen, I believe it is. Yes, that's correct. It says you get a new body like Christ, yeah, cor- an eternal body. The corruptible must put on incorruption, and this yeah. mortal must put on immortality. Now, the good news about that—that that body mm. we get—is a body without a sinful nature. You don't get the sinful. Na- you don't have a sinful nature yeah, anyway. Yeah, the fallen nature is taken. Praise the that, Lord for which that. Is really good. Yeah, the flesh no longer dominates the mind. Now, listen to this. She says, "The name foolish virgins represents the character of those who have not the genuine heart work." Wrought by the Spirit of God. So they haven't gone through that process, that transforming process mm. that Jesus promised in Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. We're changed from glory to glory by the Spirit so of the Lord. So that growth that comes under the former reign, you know, and receiving the fullness of the former reign. That's right. Remember yeah. the former reign or early reign that's been available since Pentecost. Which is grows what, and matures the seed, then germinates and grows. Yeah? That's so right. So that growth that comes from the former reign. That's yeah. what grows us. And then the latter reign prepares the the, the for harvest. the harvest, yeah, it matures, the, matures the uh, the plant. That's right. Or well, when the plant's matured, it prepares it for the for the harvest. That's right. Mm. Yes. So she goes on to say this: the state of the church represented by the foolish virgins is also spoken of the Laodicean state. See, the foolish virgins right. are those, right, in the Laodicea who don't come out of Laodicea. Mm. Okay. And so basically, the foolish virgins and Laodicean Christians are one and the same. And, and listen to this incredible um, quote in Christ's Object Lessons, page 411, by Ellen White as well. Mm. Amazing, amazing uh, insight. She says, The class represented by the foolish virgins are not hypocrites. So they're not hypocrites. Yeah. Right? Okay, so these will be what we consider to be good Christian people. Yeah. They have a regard for the truth. Yes. They have advocated the truth. Mm, so that means 
promoted. Preached it, yep. taught it. Yep. Yep. They're attracted to those who believe the truth. Okay. But they have not yielded themselves to the Holy Spirit's working. Wow. So the, they've been hanging around people who promote the truth, who preach the truth. They've been preaching it themselves. They are in that great company of people who follow Jesus and love Jesus, but for, they have not allowed the Holy Spirit to transform and change their lives. And they don't bear fruit. Jesus says you'll know no, them by their no fruit. By their fruit. She goes on to say, the class represented by the foolish virgins have been content with a superficial work. It's all external. It's all outside. They haven't had the heart-changing mm. work inside. It says they do not know God. Their service denigrates into a form. It's all about going to the rituals, you know, pay the tithe, yeah. do this, tick box, t- ticking all the boxes. So externally, you think, hey, they're okay. Mm. So External. having a form of godliness but not the power they yeah. yeah. So mm. the foolish virgins have a regard for the truth. Okay. They believe in the Ten Commandments and the Sabbath. They believe that. Mm. They believe the church teachings on the mark of the beast. They, they okay. understand the mark of the beast, the church is teaching. They right. understand what the mark of beast is found in Revelation chapter 13 and 14. So there's and definitely a head knowledge there. There's a head knowledge. Mm. However, the foolish virgins did not yield themselves to the Holy Spirit's working. They refused to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and yield to his leading. They did not have the extra oil. And they accepted the Omega posse, rejected the Laodicean warning, Mm. and did not allow Christ to perfectly reflect his character in them. They thought they were okay. Wow. So these are people, they're not hypocrites. Mm. So, I mean, these are just reading that these are baptized members of the church. Yes. But they have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They've been baptized in water, yep. but not in the Spirit. So therefore, the Spirit has not been able to do with them what he wanted to do to prepare well, them for well, the crisis some, and Jesus Christ. They had some Holy Spirit. They had, they had some oil. Yeah, because the, the, lamp, enough. the lamp was burning. Yeah, They went out because what they, they relied on what they first got. When the, You know what I mean? They, remember, we uh, talked about okay, Jesus yes. and Paul, and everyone says we need a daily in filling or baptism on the Holy Spirit. That's right. Not just a one-off. Okay. So these people think, hey, I had what I needed. And it's interesting, Colin, I noticed recently you shared a uh, an article that was written by Dwight Nelson. Yes. Regarding a book that he read that transformed his life according to his own words. And that little book is Steps to Personal Revival, Being Filled with the Holy Spirit by Helmut Horbel. And he said, subsequent to reading that book, he has now asked God to fill him daily with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he never did that previously. He said it's transformed his whole life, it's transformed his whole ministry, and even his sermons are different now as a result of that. Yeah, and it's encouraging thousands and thousands of people have been getting that book. Mm. It's another book you can download for free as well. And that's probably another book we'll be presenting at some stage going through these programs. I think we should go through that book. It's an amazing book, Steps to Personal Arrival, Being Filled with the Holy Spirit by Helmut Hall. But I really recommend that people read that book. I've read it a number of times. Mm. Uh, Amazing book. And so that's, yeah. So basically they haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to transform their character, which is inward transformation. So Mm. you're having the fruits of the Spirit. That's an outward form of things. So they do all the things right on the outside, it looks all good, but on the inside, they haven't they haven't had the character transformation. Now, the scary thing to me, Colin, is that these people get sent away to go and get, go and buy yep. some oil. Now, obviously, they must have received oil somewhere because they end up coming back. I don't think they wanted to be there without the oil. That's why they took off to go and get some. They come back, but this can't be the real oil. And when they knock on the door there, hmm. they said, Lord, Lord, open to us. So there's a door that's shut. 
This seems to remind me of the same story, you know, when Noah went in the ark, that door was shut. Yeah. But the flood didn't come and took took take the wicked away seven for, days later. for seven days. Yeah. So there's a door that shuts, and then subsequent to that, there must be the coming of the of the Lord, you know, as we see. So mm. we can call it the door of probation. And it says there, Lord, Lord, open to us. And then he said, assuredly, I will say to you, I do not know you. Is that the same as saying, because you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth? Yeah, I don't know you. I, yeah, there's no, I, I don't want you in me because you make me sick to my stomach. You're not abiding in me. And guess what? I'm not, not abiding, abiding in you. Because that's what the whole Holy Baptism and the Holy mm. Spirit is, Christ abiding in us daily, that's abiding right. in us. And so mm. it's a superficial work. They go to church. Maybe they pay their tithe. Keep the Sabbath, you know, maybe eat the right things. Yeah. A whole list of ticking the boxes, but there's not a genuine heart work mm. transformation. Yeah, and interesting there in verse 13, it says there, watch therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour. That word watch there obviously is, is, is pregnant with meaning because that mm. watching is what the wise virgins did. Although they ended up falling asleep during the delay, there was yes. enough preparation, enough watching to be ready in that day and hour when Christ was coming. Although they didn't know the day or the hour, they had enough preparation and enough oil to take them through that time and to go in with the Lord when their door was shut. That's right. And so those three parables in Matthew chapter 25, and we just went through one of them, but, and the whole problem was the foolish virgins, they had not yielded themselves to the Holy Spirit. Mm. They were content with what they already had and they thought they had enough. They thought they were, you know, and so that's why they're the same people in the lukewarm people in Laodicea. It's the same okay. people. And Ellen White connected the dots there and said this is yeah. exactly the same. And, you know, if you have a red-letter edition Bible, you'll notice the parable is in red letters. Jesus is telling the parable. Mm. When you go to the book of Revelation, as you beautifully pointed out before, specifically here, it's not just the message given by Jesus to his angel then to John the Revelator. It's Jesus speaking. It's in red letters again. Absolutely. So the connection between the messenger and the message we can clearly make. It's yes. Jesus for both of them. Jesus' message. And he's talking about the same period of time just before the coming of Jesus Christ. So what's important then, really, what's this important, is to pray daily for the baptism of the Holy Spirit of Christ in you, the hope mm. of glory. It, it asks the Holy Spirit to transform you. And bring you out of your late, our latency condition. Ask him to bring him out and refine us, and he will. Mm, amen. Dear listener, we're just going to take a break here, and we'll be right back after this message. Stay tuned. You know, we have to live in a world, at least in the United States, where it's now common to read about mass shootings in schools, which is tragic. When these things happen, people say, our thoughts and prayers are with you. But then other people say, prayer isn't working. I've been told that very thing. So is it true? Well, more than 50 and a half million kids go to school every day and almost all of them come home in one piece. So it can't be said that prayer isn't working. Maybe the fact is not enough people are praying. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. God still answers prayer. He really does. It's time for us to pray. I'm John Bradshaw for It Is Written. Let's live today by every word. Dear listener, welcome back. We are glad that you've stayed with us and we are continuing our study about Laodicea, 
the lukewarmness of Laodicea and connecting that, so Jesus' words in Revelation chapter 3 with Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 24 and 25 and the first of three parables in Matthew 25 to explain the condition of the church just before the second coming of Jesus Christ. And we're talking about the foolish virgins and the wise virgins. We've unpacked the foolish virgins a little bit. Now we're going to look at the wise virgins. That's right. So they're both waiting for the second coming of Jesus. Mm. And so the difference is the wise virgins... Have the extra oil, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Because of this, they reject the Omega apostasy. And the Omega apostasy, remember, is those who say that the commandments have been can't be kept, or victory over sin, complete victory over sin is impossible. Mm. That's that's the Omega apostasy. Yeah, and just to recap it, we've uh, presented many, many times in this program, the victory over sin comes through surrender. Yes. If you want to be victorious, surrender. Now, it sounds like an oxymoron in, in some ways, doesn't it? Mm. But the fact remains is you surrender to Christ, submit yourself to Christ. That's how you obtain the victory because Jesus' victory then is ascribed to you. And then you grow up in the knowledge and understanding of Jesus Christ and who he is and how much he loves you. And the Holy Spirit then actually transforms your life and you reflect more and more of the beauty and the glory of Jesus Character in your own life That's right That's right So we believe in the promise of God Yes God said he'll write his laws On our mind and heart mm. He'll give us a desire To obey him He will transform us Into his image And we believe those promises Despite sometimes The evidence is in our lives In spite of ourselves In spite of ourselves We yes. believe that Jesus Will do what he said He's the author and finish Of our faith In Jude chapter 24 He says he will what He will present us faultless Faultless So we believe in these promises just like, but unlike the uh, you know the uh, Jewish nation when mm. they were going to cross the Jordan, they didn't believe they could take the giants. The, yeah, they didn't believe. We don't. Hey, the giants are too big. Mm. Now you know the giants might be too big in your life. The giants, the sins in your life, you think, oh, these are just too big. Mm. Um, we're never going to be overcome them. It's impossible to overcome sin. You know well, I mean? if I could do it myself, Colin, I wouldn't need faith. That's right. That's why we need faith. And you mentioned the promises of God. It's faith in God's promises. And that reminds me of 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and verse 4. It talks about the divine power of God, which has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness through a knowledge of Jesus Christ, who has called us by glory and virtue, by which has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these, so through these great and precious promises of God through his word, you may be partakers of the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world through lust. Divine nature, Christ in, sin out, isn't Amen. it? Amen. Yes. Amen. And so um, because they reject the Omega apostasy, all right, the wise mm. virgins reject it. They come out of their lukewarm condition. So they allow Jesus in because, remember, to come out of our lukewarm condition, the first thing we got to do, Jesus says he's knocking at the door and Jesus saying, let me in. Amen. And, and if you read it backwards... We let Jesus in, and then we receive the eye salve, mm. which causes us to be zealous and to repent. Yes. We receive the eye salve of the Holy Spirit that reveals to us our true condition. You know, when you start repenting and praying, God, you know, search my heart, O Lord, mm. wow, that's, that's a dangerous, but it's the best prayer you ever pray. Because when you pray that prayer, God will then search your heart out and reveal mm. what needs to be removed. And it comes out sometimes it's ugly That's right But at least if you're on that journey Jesus will not only reveal it to you He will remove it from you mm. And then he'll give you He'll give you the white garments His righteousness His imparted righteousness Which is made manifest in 
the fruits in your spirit, yes. which would be made manifest in keeping God's commandments mm. when you receive Christ's righteousness. Yeah, well, the fruit of the Spirit, it says, against such there is no law. So it actually fulfills the law. That's right. So yeah. you receive the love of God in your heart. You receive mm. the patience. And the, the joy and the, peace. and All the fruits in Galatians mm. 5, 23, and in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, which is goodness and righteousness is yes. the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so what happens is those who come out of their lay, they see in condition, okay, they experience revival in reformation in their lives. They experience revival, reformation, and they're prepared for the latter reign of the Holy Spirit and for earth's final events. Mm. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit allows the law, God's law, to be written on their hearts by the Spirit in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 318. Remember, God wants to write his law on our mind and our hearts. That's right. Yeah, in Second Corinthians chapter three and verse three says, "Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ." So that's something that Christ has written. Now, epistle is a letter. Yeah. Okay, just in case you didn't know that, that's what it means. An epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit that does the writing. So the Holy Spirit is wanting to write something. What is He yeah. wanting to write? Keep going. Okay, so it's written by the the Spirit of the Living God, not on tablets of stone, but stop on... there. Stop there. Okay. The reason I'm saying stop there. What was written on tablets of stone? The Ten Commandments. So he wants to write them not on the stone. He wants to write them where? Okay, so not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the flesh. That is of the heart. So God wants to write the Ten Commandments by the Holy Spirit on our hearts. Can we confirm that in Hebrews chapter 8 and Hebrews chapter 10? Yes, we can, because the, the, the covenant promise, the new covenant promise is that I will write my laws in their hearts. So I'll put it in their minds, write them on my hearts. They will, I will be their God and they will be my people. That's right. Mm. So, so what's happening is that the wise virgins obey God from the heart. Amen. Which means God has placed within them the desire to obey them. Mm. So God's done this. You know, this isn't like us trying to obey God. God's commandments. This is God putting he, on our hearts to obey. We receive new principles, new motives, and new desires. Yeah, and who's putting it on their heart? God. Through the Holy Spirit. So whose work is it? Mm. Our job is just to surrender and ask yeah. him to do what he promises get, get he will. Get out of the way. That's get right. out of the way and let him do what he mm. what wants to do. I like verse 6 as well because it gives us a clear connection to the yes. new covenant. We just read verse 3. Verse 6 says, Who also made us, talking about God, made us efficient as ministers of the new covenant. So Paul says he's a minister of the new covenant, not of the letter, which is the one written and engraved on tables of stone, stone. Um, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Wow. So the spirit gives life when he puts the law in our hearts mm. to obey him. It's a different. The new covenant is wonderful. Yeah. The new covenant is based on the law of God. That is mm. the covenant. But instead of writing on stone and the Israelites saying, and, go, and yeah, we'll do everything you say, God. Yes, they couldn't do it. Hmm. They tried to do it, and and God just had to let them learn the lesson. He says, "I will make a new covenant hmm. based on the same law, but this time." And remember, according to Paul's writing there that you just read in Second Corinthians chapter three, three. verse three. Yeah, I'm not going to write it on stone. I am going to write it on your hearts, and I will cause you to. Mm. Obey my statutes and my judgments So we know according to Paul in Romans chapter 7 That the commandments and the law of God is holy and just and good There's nothing wrong with God's law The problem is our relationship to it When it's external of us And we spoke about mm. this external thing outside of the church mm. When it's external to us All it can minister to us is death But when it's been written in our hearts through the Holy Spirit 
It is actually the ministration of life to us. Now, if you want to know about the, the law written externally on tables of stone, it says there in verse 7 of Second Corinthians chapter 3, but if the ministration or the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious, so the children could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory and the countenance which glory was passing away. How much will this ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? So the new covenant ministry is more glorious. Why? Because the glory of God can then be revealed in us. Remember that text we've mentioned a few times, Colin? Mm. When Christ abides within, he is our hope of glory. Christ within Christ in hope, us, the hope of glory. Hope of glory. So that is a more glorious ministry. Because it's a better promise, better, a better covenant. And yes. That's what Hebrews says, doesn't it? Hebrews chapter 8, uh, verse 6. But now he has obtained a much more excellent ministry. He's mm. talking about Jesus as our high priest in heaven, right? You read chapter 8. It's all about Jesus being the high priest in our heavenly sanctuary. In other words, there's a heavenly sanctuary that Jesus is ministering that not made with our hands, but Made by God Himself. That's right. The original. The original. Yeah. The, and it was made, the, the one on earth was a pattern. It's a copy. That's yeah. right. Not the original. And then He says to, in verse 6 But now He has obtained a much more excellent ministry, inasmuch as also a mediator of a better covenant. Mm. This is a better covenant, which was established on better promises. Better promises, yes. All right. The first one was we promised that we would do it. <laughs> That's right. And we couldn't do it. Yeah. The second one, in verse 7, for if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Mm. Now, here's the thing. People say, oh, see, there's a problem with the covenant. Mm. No, 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 no. This is what it says in verse 8. Because finding fault with them. Yes. The fault was, wasn't with the law of God or God's covenant. The fault was with the promises of Israel to keep God's law mm. by their own efforts. They yes. couldn't do it. He says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And so when you become a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you are an Israelite. Yes. You're a spiritual Israelite. So that's why, you know, sometimes you read, this is for Israelites. But this is New Testament we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. And he says, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in that day when I took them out of Egypt, etc. And they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says them. So they broke the covenant. I not did. God didn't break his covenant. For this is the covenant I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their mind, your forehead. And write them on my hearts, and I will be the God, and they shall be my people. And he'll remember their sins no more. Mm. This is an awesome uh, promise. A wonderful, wonderful promise. So this new spiritual Israel, under the new covenant, we get to have God's laws written on our mind and heart Mm. by the Holy Spirit. God's going to put in our hearts and give us a desire to obey him. Now, the Bible tells us that death entered because of sin, and sin is the transgression of the law. That's right. So while the law is external to us, it cannot minister life to us. All it can minister is death because right. it shows us our sin. And unless we come to Christ, who is our Savior, we will not be saved. Because the penalty of sin is what? Death. Death, eternal yeah. death, separation from God. Your sins have separated you from your God, Isaiah says. That's right. And Romans chapter 8, verse 2 takes up exactly the same topic, the same thought. And it says, Therefore the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Death. Praise the Lord. Mm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So in you know, Romans chapter 8, there's now no, therefore, no condemnation, condemnation. for those who are in Christ. Isn't Christ it? Jesus, who no longer walk according to the flesh, flesh but according, according to, to the, the Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Right. Mm. Amen. So the, you know, those who are ready who will be baptized with the Holy Spirit have God's law written on their hearts. They obey God from the heart, mm. which means God has placed it within them to desire to obey them. Yes. It's heartfelt. They are fully reflecting the character 
And remember, God's character is his righteousness. Yes. They're fully reflecting his character or the righteousness of Christ. Mm. And Ellen White said that the oil represented the Holy Spirit, the righteousness. So let's read this, uh, this quote from Ellen White on Testimonies to Minister, page 334. Okay, and it says, Now is the time to entreat that souls shall not only hear the word of God, but without delay secure oil in their vessels with their lamps. That oil is the righteousness of Christ. So if you want to reflect the righteousness of Christ, what do you need, Eddie? need oil. And what's the oil? The Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Mm. And when we have Jesus in us, we have his righteousness. Righteousness, that's right. Amen. It said it represents character, and character is not transferable. So when I asked you before, as a foolish virgin, and you being the wise virgin, give me some of your oil because my lamp's going out. You cannot transfer your character, could I you? can't transfer my character. Mm. No man can secure it for another. Each must obtain for himself a character purified from every stain of sin. And what's that purifying process? It's as you say, Lord, search my heart. Yes. Search my heart to see if there be anything wicked in me. Mm. God will search your heart. He will reveal to you what is wicked in you. And then you go to Jesus and you repent of your sins. You ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit of Christ in us, the hope of glory. And you ask God to refine you like gold. Remember in Malachi chapter 3, isn't it? Where it says the house of the Levites, which is spiritual Israel. That's right. New Testament Christians Mm. are spiritual Israel. Is that we'll be refined like gold, purified. That means God's going to chisel out stuff around you. That's that's true, you know. And the thing is, the fact that it's not transferable. In Ezekiel chapter fourteen and verse fourteen, we also read in verse twenty, but verse fourteen, it says, "Even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in the land, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness," says the Lord God. Yes. So your righteousness cannot save me. No. And if I had righteousness, it couldn't save you. We have to have that individual relationship with God. It's an individual responsibility. And why wouldn't we want to be in a relationship with, with, with God, our Savior? For what he's done for us. Why yeah, wouldn't absolutely. You? That's yeah. true. And so his righteousness is imputed to you, justified, mm. and it's imparted, imparted to you, as well. which is yeah. the sanctification process of, being, of the Holy Spirit transforming us into the mm. image of Jesus. And that's the only way we can have his righteousness if Christ is living in us. Amen. So... And, and, and uh, each, so each must obtain for himself a character purified from every stain of sin. So what happens is the wise, the wise virgins do not obey God's law simply because it says to obey, oh, I've got to do this, or I've got to do that. Mm. That's legalistic obedience. When That's you start right. having a checklist and I've got to tick all the boxes. Ten, ten ticks at the end of the day. Did I not have any other gods before me? Did I not take the name of the Lord in vain? Yeah. Did I honor my father and my mother? Yeah, did I eat right? Did, did I yeah, pay my tithe? Tick box, tick box. That's a lot of things to tick, and that just sounds very tiring. But when you, when you submit yourself to the Lord and you abide in him, in other words, rest in the Lord, that is a much uh, more peaceful and a tranquil place to find yourself in your Amen. relationship with God. Amen. And it's the only one that works. That's right. No, the reason why the wise virgins, uh, tr- they truly have a desire in their hearts to obey God. Hmm. God's put in their hearts and given us desire, a desire yes. to obey God. And what is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, it's love, love. joy, peace. Yeah. And First John says we, patience, gentleness. we can only love God to the degree that we know he loves us. Hmm. You know, you can only love God if you first know that he loves you. That's right. Yeah. Amen. And so, you know, they have it in their heart. And I love this. This is an incredible uh, promise. 
uh, Ellen White says in The Desire of Ages, page 668. It says, all true obedience comes from the heart. So straight away there, where does true all obedience come from? Comes from the heart. It has to be in the heart. Mm. It's the only thing. And so the only way you can have obedience in your heart is having Jesus living in your heart. That's right. So yep. the law is written in our hearts, new yep. motives, new desires. That's right. Yep. It said, it was heart work with Christ. And if we consent, he will so identify himself with our thoughts and aims, so blend our hearts and minds into conformity to his will that when obeying him, we shall be but carrying out our own impulses. Wow. So what's the first thing you notice there? It says, and if we consent. Hmm. So, so that's free will. That is our part. Yeah, that's right. So we can choose. Yeah, if we consent, then he will do what he just promised that he'll do. Mm. But we have to consent. He won't force yeah. himself to do it. God won't force anything if we don't cooperate. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. So if we consent, he will blend our hearts and minds into conformity to his will. And when we are obeying him, we shall be but carrying out our own impulses. So new motives, new desires, new impulses. Natural from the heart. Oh, praise God. Mm. Says the will, refined and sanctified. And you've been talking about that all through this program. Refined and sanctified mm. will find its highest delight in doing his service. So there is a process, isn't it? Yes. And when you talk yeah. about the word refined and sanctified, it comes, you know, sanctified comes from the word, you know, sanctification. That's right. And it's a process of being mm. sanctified into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Amen. And the will, remember, we have a will. We do. Our will decides everything, mm. you know, but the will can be refined. It can be. We can hand it over to God, not my will, but thy will be done. Thy will be done, Just Father. like Jesus did. Yeah. Amen. Yes. So it says, uh, well, the will refined and sanctified will find his highest delight in doing his service. When we know God, so that's all about a knowledge of God and, and, and a close, intimate relationship, you know, knowing each other. Jesus said that, I don't know you, or you know, obviously, or he does know you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It says, when we know God as it is our privilege to know him, our lives will be a life of continual obedience. Mm. So that's a life of continual victories. Wow. Through an appreciation of the character of Christ. So what's the focus on? The character of Christ. That's it. Mm. And through what? And through communion with God, sin will become hateful to us. Communion with God. See, that's why David, you know, in, in, in Psalms, he says, Thy word is on my heart that I may not sin, sin against, against you. you. Yeah. Because he communed with God. The mm. word, God's word, was on his heart. That's why it says, you know, uh, sin will become hateful to us. That's right. And as you have said in the past there, Colin, uh, Jesus in, sin out. That's it. And how does Jesus come in? Through the word of God and through the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. God is looking for worship in spirit and mm. truth. Yes. The truth is in the word of God. Jesus says, I am the truth. Thy word is thy truth and a lamp. Mm. You know what I mean? This is That's the truth. Right. And so we need to have the word and we need to have the Holy Spirit uh, on us. And note that obedience from the heart leads to what? Consistent obedience. Obedience from the heart leads mm. to consistent mm. obedience. In fact, she said, when obeying him, we should carry out our own impulses and that our life will be a life of continual obedience when it comes from the heart. Yes. This is the level of obedience the Holy Spirit will lead the wise virgins to experience. Mm. This is the process of coming out of Laodicea and becoming a wise virgin. And Jesus will be constantly living out his life of obedience in them. Do you hear that? Jesus will live out his life of obedience in and through us. It's not us trying to be obedient. It's Christ's obedience being manifested in and through mm. us. It's his obedience. And so 
what will happen is, as Jesus is constantly living out his life of obedience in us, we will not yield to temptation. Yes. Well, that's based on the promise. Jesus made it very clear. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that he will not allow us to be tempted upon what we are able with, with every temptation God will make a way of escape. That's right. Mm. So we're able to bear it. That's right. And so this is the experience Satan is trying to lead God's people to reject. Right. When they accept his Omega apostasy, teaching Mm. about God's Ten Commandments being impossible to keep. There are people who say one group says the Ten Commandments are being done away with. Yes. So they've been done away with. There's no point keeping them, is there? Mm, That's right. Well, you do both the commandments. Where there's no law, there's no sin. So then sin has been taken away, eradicated from the whole planet. I look around, I still see plenty of sin. No sin, no grace, Mm. no need of saviour. No, whole, need of, no need of a church. Might as well just close The whole plan of salvation falls apart. That's right. Yeah. And so, you know, the Omega Posse teaches that God's Ten Commandments being are impossible to keep. You cannot mm. keep the Ten Commandments. You cannot overcome sin. Well, to, to accept that, there are some precious promises in the Word of God Then we'll have to ignore or just say, well, they're not valid. When Jesus says, you know, he's able to, to keep us from falling or that he won't allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able, make a way of escape, then all those things are irrelevant. That's right. This promise no longer mean anything. That's really just undermining the word of God. So what's the first step? The first step in a, for us to come out, up, and we're all Laodicean condition uh, mm. Christians. You know, yes. We are all in Laodicea. The Bible says that. Yeah. And, but the first step of coming out of Laodicea is to recognize that you are in Laodicea mm. and to recognize your true condition, that you are poor, bletched, blind, and, um, and, and naked. And naked. So yeah. when you realize that, then the next step is let Jesus in. Mm. The, vir- the, the wise virgins let Jesus in their life. They did. And how do we let Jesus in our lives? This only happens through daily receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's right. John chapter 14, verse 16 to 18. Let's mm. read that. John chapter 14, verse 16 to 18. And it says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper or another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus comes to us mm. through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. And then let's go to First John chapter 3, verse 24. So First John chapter 3, verse 24. And let's just confirm that. First John chapter 3, verse 24. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit who has been given to us. So he abides in us through how? The Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, yes. And so Ellen White clearly understood that the Holy Spirit brings the presence of Jesus into our lives. And I love this from the Review and Herald, November 29, 1892. She says, The work of the Holy Spirit is immeasurably great. It is from this source that the power and efficiency comes to the worker for God. And the Holy Spirit is the comforter as the personal presence of Christ to the soul. Mm, that's beautiful. Actually, there's another uh, quote from her as well, which talks about the same thing. She, no, she, she writes in Second Manuscript Releases uh, 30, mm. a letter 15, 1895. It says, nothing but the baptism of the Holy Spirit can bring up the church to its right position. So Laodicea is not in the right position. It's lukewarm. And prepare the people of God for the last approaching conflict. That's the final you know, time of trouble, yeah. the final events of earth history. And she just says nothing but the baptism of the Holy Spirit mm. can prepare the church or bring up the church to its right position and prepare us 
for the fast approaching conflict. So that's what we need. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit Amen. of Christ in us to lead us out of our latest in lukewarm condition and become wise virgins and to have the character of Jesus and be ready for his soon return. Mm. And so that's really our whole point of doing this radio program is all about, is we mm. want to encourage people, if you're listening today or if you're listening on Facebook, watching on Facebook, is we just ask you, we implore you, go to Jesus, repent of your sins. And if, if the, his word says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful to forgive your sins. That's you're justified. Yeah, faithful And not only just justify you, he says, and, and the word means plus, or and, not only will I going to justify you, and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That means he wants to sanctify you. He wants to cleanse and remove sin out of your lives. Mm-hmm. He wants to write his laws on your mind and your hearts. He wants to place them in your hearts through the Holy Spirit. And so ask God, Lord, baptize me with the Holy Spirit. Remove sin out of my life. Give me your righteousness. Write your laws on my mind and heart. And if you do these things, God will do them. He promises that he'll do them. Amen. You know, we, we have that text in Ephesians chapter 5, um, verse 25. We were told, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. So we spoke about the importance of the word of God, that he might present it to himself glorious, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So, dear listener, we thank you for joining us here today. We are just going to share our contact details with you, and then we'll just come back with some closing remarks. So stay tuned. Thank you for joining us on You Shall Receive Power. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249-7334-56. Or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Dear listener, welcome back. I hope you got those contact details down. And if you've uh, forgotten about those uh, websites, we can download some of these beautiful books. This one by Pastor Dennis Smith that we've been going through. It's Omega Apostasy and Laodicea. Uh, You are welcome to get in touch with us and we can steer you in the right direction. So just in closing, Colin, we've been talking about the wise and foolish virgins and the difference between the two. The, the foolish virgins are not hypocrites. Mm-hmm. They are, are people who love the truth. They've even proclaimed the truth, and they like hanging around with people who preach the truth. However, they've not allowed the truth to transform them through receiving the Holy Spirit. The character transformation has not taken place. They go through their worship as a ritual rather than a heartfelt response because they love the Lord Jesus Christ with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's right. And God, remember, it's connected to the message in Laodicea. Hmm. God tells those in Laodicea, and this is Jesus, to buy the gold, Yes. white raiment, and eye salve. Remember, the gold represents the character of faith and love, which we can only receive from the Holy Spirit abiding in us fully. They're the fruit of the Spirit, found in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, and Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Yes. God pours out his love. On our hearts by the Holy Spirit mm. And we receive the fruit of the Spirit Through the Holy Spirit The white raiment is the justifying And sanctifying righteousness of Jesus yes. It's only as we learn how to let Jesus Live out his righteous obedience in and through us That we'll be clothed in his white raiment Of righteous and fully manifest The gold of Christ's character mm. The I self Well it's received only by receiving 
the Spirit's infilling. Amen. It is a Spirit that heals our eyes from this spiritual blindness of our latest sin condition. It opens our eyes up. If we refuse to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we will continue in our spiritually blind condition. Okay. Because remember, we don't even see our condition mm. until we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the eye salve that opens our eyes up yes. to see our true condition. That's true. And so um, if we refuse to receive the daily baptism of the Holy Spirit, we will continue in our spiritually blind condition. We will accept the omega apostasy of that we cannot obey God mm. and we cannot overcome sin. And we have to keep sinning until Jesus comes. Right. Okay. And we won't grow into the fullness of Jesus. But when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus will begin to permeate in our entire being. Mm. Thank you for that, Colin. And as the music takes us out of this program, dear listener, we pray that you were blessed by it. And I'm just going to read from Christ's Object Lessons, page 69. It says, Christ is waiting with longing desire mm. for the manifestation of himself in his church. When the character of Christ shall be perfectly reproduced in his people, then he will come to claim them as his own. Heaven shall declare the glory of his name. All creation been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.